Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Vosig, and I'm going to be your host. Today we're welcoming back Lainey Labens, who was first on in episode 36. So if you want to get the full story, you may want to swing back to that episode. Otherwise, we can jump right into today's conversation. Joining us today again is my friend Lainey Labens. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I regret that it's been so long since we talked last, but so much has gone on for good or for ill, and I'm here to talk about the good stuff. Yay! I could I could use some talking about good stuff for a little while. <laughs> um, you have had many adventures. Uh, we talked about our, our fun on the con circuit, and the last time we got together, you had mentioned, oh yeah, I'd kind of like to do some writing. Like, hey, I should probably rearrange the spice cabinet. And then like two weeks ago, you dropped this bombshell that, hey, I just wrote a book and it's available for sale right now. (laughs) Yeah. So let's go there. Let's talk about that. Okay. I would love to. Yeah. So I, um, I have always, I've been a writer for a long time. You know, I've called myself a writer for a long time. I think I was kind of doing a little timeline of me and and realized I was probably about 14 when I started writing semi-regularly um and when I started really creating my own characters actually the first story I ever wrote I was five years old and my mom still has it somewhere I wrote it with stickers because I didn't have the I didn't have the 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 skills to use the words so I I used stickers to write the story so it was a a sort of like um you know my uh our, our ancient ancestors pictographs and stuff like that but when I uh, when I started writing writing, I was about fourteen, and um, I you know done it for a long time, and I'm I'm a big reader, and and hoped that one day I would turn it into something, and then my world got upended for lack of a better term, and uh, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm sitting here trying to make perfect, and and like my dad always says, don't let the the enemy or how does he say it it's like don't let the enemy of good don't let perfect be the enemy of good or whatever Mm -hmm. um so I was like okay you know what I'm just gonna do this I'm not going to um get bogged down with making something perfect I'm not going to get bogged down with the even the minutiae of like well if I do this I need to go in a traditional path and it's time to call in my favor you know with my literary friends and be like I want this published how can we make that happen I was like you know what I'm going to write a book. I'm going to put it on Amazon. I'm going to do it for me. If anybody reads it, great. If nobody reads it, that's fine too. But it gives me a sense of in a time where I feel so helpless and so unable to do anything, that's something that I did um, all on my own. And, you know, and it is, it is what it is. It is. And I could have a whole conversation with you just on the fact that you are using all these 21st century methods to get this published. And that's a good thing. And if you want to talk about that, let's do it. But for the moment, your book is called The Bare Moon, and you wrote it under the name of Halston Blake. Halston Blake, yep. I said that wrong. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, And I am really going to try to avoid spoilers (laughs) because that would take away from it. But I will say it is about a family of werewolves, and that is the least interesting thing about it. I love that. I, you know, it's funny because I thought I had perfected kind of the elevator pitch on 
on different stuff because I read a lot and I love movies and my sister and I were currently living together and so it's easier we watch movies together but before that I would watch a movie and be like oh you got to see it here's the you know here's my five seconds let me explain it without spoiling it mm -hmm. and then my own book I can't even give a a, a quick enough elevator pitch on it basically yeah it's about a family of werewolves i call them country club werewolves because they've kind of um they've kind of evolved to the point where while they still are werewolves and still have all their powers they're not kind of like ruthless like m you know monster creatures that you think of they're mm -hmm. they're waspy and they end up um something happens and so they end up hiring a group of uh, mercenaries to to do private security for them. And the mercenaries are um, bear shapeshifters called Ursas. Um, and the the bear shapeshifters called Ursas that are mercenaries are Ursinaries. Um, and and without, well, I don't consider this a huge spoiler, but without giving too much away, our, our, our ingenue, our lead, Cheerio, she falls in love with her bodyguard, uh, Asher, the, the Ursa, so. That's that's that. <laughs> it is. Um, and I I liked it because whenever I tell somebody that something is a light read, it sounds like I'm diminishing it. But this is exactly the kind of thing you can grab for an airplane, a weekend trip when you're waiting. In, and, and it's the kind of book you can just kind of grab with you and keep around. And that, to me, is valuable. That was my goal, too. Um, I I. Another friend of mine called it a serial, um, which I think is a good way to put it. It's it's a, so it's going to be a trilogy. There are three books in this series. Um, I wanted to write something that people could read quickly, read easily. I am a so 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 ADD and am constantly doing twenty things at once. And so if I I felt like if I wanted people to be able to to get what I wanted them to get out of it, it needed to be fast, it needed to be short, and it needed to to pack a punch. And I I traditionally like writing short stories, so I think that set me up well for writing a, a quick novel, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of story that I think doesn't lend itself to being overly dense, overly long, overly complex. It feels like a season of, like the first season of Buffy. It's like, you know, it's complex enough that your interest is kept, but it, it's not pretentious. Well, thank you. That's the highest. That's in one felt soup. You gave me the highest compliments you could ever. It's like Buffy and it's not pretentious. Those are, those are huge, huge compliments to me. <laughs> OK. And I keep I'm always afraid, like I'm going to say something that's going to sound like an insult and it's not. It's just I really feel like there is a value in this type of literature. I agree. I mean, I've, you know, I've read a lot of different things and like my, well, my favorite novel is The Great Gatsby. Um, mm -hmm. And if you've read The Great Gatsby or if you've even just seen in either of the movies that have been made, it's very quick. It's not long. It gets to the point. Um, by the end of it, you've been on this emotional roller coaster with these people and it's not, not that long. Like it's not that many pages. It's not that many words. And obviously like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm Fitzgerald, but I was inspired by things like that. And then, and J.D. Salinger has a book called Nine Stories, which are short stories. And that's another, again, in, in, in they're fairly long for short stories, but it, it really, that's the kind of stuff that inspired me. Obviously, you know, fantasy romance being the main inspiration, but I wanted, I wanted it to be, I don't feel diminished by that at all. I wanted it to be the kind of thing that you're reading it and you, all of a sudden you're on the last page and you're like, oh, wow, how did I get there? <laughs> And you and I met out of a mutual love of genre fiction. 
Yes. And I think that this book, and I'm just realizing this now while I'm talking to you, the reason I liked it when it's not normally in my wheelhouse is that it does something I love with other types of fiction. It, it takes genre fiction and puts it in a more mainstream, accepted form of fiction. And that I liked. Like, I like, you know, you take Firefly, which is a Western, and you put it as a, as a sci-fi. Okay, now I'm, I'm into this. You're doing the same thing with the where, werewolf story. Yes, that's um, that's the stuff I grew up on watching that Firefly, watching Buffy, stuff like that. Um, I love I love fantasy stories um, that can that can immerse you in a world that you feel like, oh, we're so close to that. Like, oh, I could see this could be real because it's just slightly off of what, you know, what the, the norm is or whatever. And so that's always my my favorite thing to write. I love I do love things that are heavy world building and fantasy worlds like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. Um, I think that those those obviously are very important and have a place, but that's not, um, that's not the worlds that I create. Um, I, I have a universe in my head where the reason mortals don't know about vampires isn't because vampires are working so hard to keep it a secret. It's more that we're all so engrossed in our own stuff. No one even notices kind of Mm -hmm. thing. That's the way I, that's the world I envision. And there's so many great examples of that, and I don't think that get enough play. Like uh, Stephen King famously once said that the best part about his his demons was they they didn't come from hell, they didn't come from the underworld, they shopped at Kmart. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, and, and as you know, in my book, I have a I have a demon brothel. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which again, the fact that they're demons was the least interesting part about it. It was. You got, and and that's what you're going for is the 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 otherworldly creatures are relatable because they live your life just with their point of view. Exactly. Yes. I um I have another book that's just my short stories that was kind of a test run for me on can I take all these modern technology elements to publish and and make it work for me and and the the other book, um that's the whole the overarching theme in all the stories is that if you pulled the magic out of these people's lives, their problems are very relatable to everyday people. I have a couple that, um, you know, they're struggling with how do they fall in love again after he's been dead? And, you know, Mm -hmm. she thought he was dead and he showed back up, but how does that, what does that world look like? And, and I think obviously like, you know, real life couples have, you know, intimacy issues and stuff like that. And so that was kind of my, their problems are magical, but that doesn't make them not relatable. Indeed, indeed. And um, it's, it's one of those cases where you can use that as a metaphor or an allegory to kind of shortcut through some of the storytelling process, which is very rewarding for the reader, where it's like, I know where this is going, just get me there. Right, right, yeah. I, I um, as, a, as a student of English studying a lot of uh, <laughs> took a lot of English classes and we got we spent so much time being like what are the themes what does this mean and I'm like so now my brain's like wired to do that without trying and so I carry that into my writing as far as I don't if you want to find themes there are themes you don't have to um, but that's something you can you can look for if you want it like oh I get this because this is going there or like okay, I feel this way and I, I see, if I put myself in that character's shoes, like this is their experiencing their aha moment in this or whatever, so. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So you say it's going to be a trilogy. Yes. Was that something you knew from the moment you started typing? 
Um, yes, it was. So, so this is a very, uh, this book was an an experiment on my part. Um, the original story was a short, one of my short stories. Um, so the, basically the first chapter of the book, um, is a short story that I wrote. Um, and I, I kind of, I took all of my short stories and I decided which one could I quickly lengthen into a novel and and see where where it went. So I picked that one, um, and I said, okay, if I'm gonna do one, I might as well do more than one. Let's how can we split this up? So my problem with writing two was if I wrote two and the story ended, I was gonna do one thing, but I said let's just go for three, and then two and three feed into each other. One kind of sets things up for the characters, and then. Um, something happens at the end of two that kind of goes completely off the rails and then three you kind of see this like you see a lot of a lot of things come together and then I promise it'll wrap up nicely but um, but as you know from the end of one it ended with a cliffhanger more or less um, and two ends with a worse cliffhanger (laughs) and then three it all comes back around. Okay. I think generally things work better when you at least go in knowing that there's going to be a three-part structure to it. Trying to I, hammer it at the end, it has mixed results. I agree with you. I, I, when I, I always, I think of things in TV terms a lot of times um, because I, I'm a big TV person and I've always actually wanted to write for television. For I did for a while. I'm not so sure I want to anymore, but um some of my favorite shows, you know, reading about them and found out, oh, no, the showrunner had the first five seasons planned out. Now it sucks they only got two, but this is what it would have looked like. Or, you know, there's some shows that it went on for a long time, but you can see where they had a certain amount planned out and then they went further than they were expecting. And, and mm-hmm. that's where it's difficult to play catch up. So that's why I told myself when I after I finished the first one, before I released it, before it was locked, I said, OK, I'm doing three. What do I need to put in one? that comes back around in three. So hopefully I, hopefully I execute my vision in the way that I see it and it makes sense to the reader and they say, Oh, that was, that was touched on briefly. And now we're coming back around to it. So. Yeah. You you can set up those little threads and make them work without a feeling for like one of my favorite trilogies. I tend to think more in terms of movies, at least to this extent, Um, Back to the Future being probably one of my favorite trilogies. And yet I know they had to twist arms to get those last two movies made. Yeah. And you can see that in certain things. And it doesn't ruin it for me, but it's like, yeah, I I can see where they wanted to leave this with the first and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And you can still get enjoyment out of that, but it's so rewarding as a viewer or as a reader when... Mm -hmm you know, you, you know, you saw that little piece and then two books later, three movies later, whatever, it gets mentioned again. Honestly, for me, it's even rewarding, even just in a one-off when you, you notice the painting on the wall and then by the end, the, the, you know, the painting was the reason all along or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm a, I'm, I like mysteries. I like piecing things together. I'm the worst person to watch a movie with. Um, because I'm going to figure out the end <laughs> before we get there because I'm sitting there trying to figure it out. So, I, I bet you have trouble showing people things for the first time. I, I, I do. I do. I've been practicing, though, because with my sister and I living together again, every Thursday we have Double Feature Thursday where we mm-hmm. each we have a theme and we each pick a movie in the, in the theme, whatever the theme is. 
And we try to make movies that neither of us have seen, but more times than not, one of us will one of one of us will have seen our pick already. Um, and and it's it's hard sometimes. It's hard because I'm like I want to be like just like but pay attention to that, you know. And my sister, my sister's different and processes things in a different way. So, um, you know, so I have to like keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had just had a podcast with somebody a day or so ago where they were just like. Yeah, I, I try to show somebody something, and I I feel like they have to get the same thing out of it as I do. I'm like, I know where you're coming from, but homie, don't play that. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good practice doing it. Like honestly, watching things with my sister is good because we we are similar, um, and we're we're very close, um, but we have wildly different um, uh, taste and views on stuff. And and like my big thing is that if I don't if I don't know a movie is sad going into it and I, it gets sad while I'm watching it, I'm pissed and I'm never watching it again. Um, I don't like sad movies as a general rule. And my sister does like to feel those things. And so when she suggests things, I'm like, okay, but like, where does it fall on this? Like where, where, what am I feeling? Like, I don't want to feel tonight. What am I going to feel? So. (laughs) Okay. I've got to tell you this because if, if that's where you're coming from, you will appreciate the humor of this. Do you remember the movie Rain Over Me with Adam Sandler? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but yes. Okay, you don't really have to see it. I mean, it's it's decent, but it's not going to be your type of movie, and that's okay. Um, it was a movie about a guy who loses his whole family at 9-11, goes into PTSD, and the movie is basically about his therapy process. Obviously a very heavy movie. Yeah. Everybody knew this when they decided to go see it. I, sure. I saw it with like five or six people. Everybody knows what the movie's about. We get out of there, and I'm like, so what do y'all think? And somebody says, and I quote, it was a good movie, but it was so sad. <laughs> the word duh doesn't begin to cover it. Right. It's like getting out of Schindler's List and saying it was kind of a downer. Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, Holocaust isn't isn't full of laughs? Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. God, that's hilarious. I, I thought you would like that. I mean, that's, that's so funny. I love that. Oh my god, I would my head would have exploded. My <laughs> I, I I had no words. <laughs> that's too great. That is so funny. Yeah, so I'm not that pre- so like I see that preview and I'm like that's a definite no for me, dog. Like we're not I'm not I'm not watching that. So I am tr- so I I'm a little better now with like okay, maybe if you catch me on the right day if I'm prepared if this is going to make me feel okay, fine, like I'm prepared for that. Um but when I'm showing somebody else something, yeah, I'm trying to pull my my emo- my feelings out so that they can enjoy it on their own Mm -hmm. because everybody has a unique experience watching. There's some movies that I hate that people love and I know I hate them because people told me I would love them Mm -hmm. and then I didn't like it. And, but because I had been, it had been built up. I didn't just not like it. I hated it. Uh (laughs) So try not, I try not to do that anymore to people. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And I can, I can appreciate a sad movie if the movie does the work to get me there if it's like yeah yes yes which very quick i will recommend me and earl and the dying girl um because it's one of those only the last five minutes are sad the rest of it is it is like butt gusting laughs Mm -hmm. so funny 
But then those last five minutes are just excruciatingly sad. But it's such a journey and in such a good way that it makes it completely worth it. It's probably one of the saddest movies I've ever seen and one of the few movies that I recommend to everyone. So, (laughs) Kind of a deep cut here. Have you seen The Shipping News? No. Okay. Uh, Kevin Spacey and Judi Dench. Um, Huge. I, I like this movie. I have seen it exactly twice. Okay. Um, but let's see. It starts out with this dude getting a call from his adopted parents. And uh, they basically tell him that they've decided to take their own lives. But they want to let him know that he's been a huge disappointment to them their whole lives. And they just had to let him know that before they check out. Sure. That's not the whole movie. That's five minutes. Jeez. It gets worse from there. No. Like and it's it is a huge movie. Like I said, it takes you on a a huge redemptive arc. Yeah. But it it puts you down before it takes you up again. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that one. We'll have to we'll have to see. I'll put a pin in it. <laughs> yeah. I say I, say, I, I love it, but I've seen it twice because I know that it's too much to just throw yeah. in on a Saturday. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not casual viewing. Yeah. I understand. I understand that. <laughs> So I saw this and I was kind of wondering, why did you choose to write under a pen name? Okay, so I have a a few reasons for that. Um, Initially, I decided to write under a pen name because I wasn't going to tell anybody that I had done this. Um, I... I have a very, um, I'm very Googleable. me as a person. I have a very public life. I am fine with that. I have created that. I worked, I mean, a lot of what my, you know, my business is requires that um, I have been, I think, successful. Um, part of my success I owe to to social media and to just being willing to like put myself out there. Um, but because of that, I felt like I was out there so much and I, I didn't know if I wanted, um, oh, I didn't want my writing uh, out there like that only because I felt like it was, um, I wasn't sure that it, it was a logical evolution to people and not that it matters what anybody else thinks, but I didn't want people to discount my writing just because they didn't see that as a move that made sense. Um, and so I was perfectly happy writing under a pen name and telling no one, but the couple people that I did tell, um, including industry people said, you're, you're crazy if you don't put yourself in front of this. And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure that it's even my best work. And and one of my my very best friend who's a who's an agent, he was like, it, you know, that's for other people to decide. You you're never gonna think it's your best work. That's fine, but that don't let that stop you from sharing what's what is enjoyable to people. And and he said, like, as an agent, you know, I would I would tell you professionally speaking, I think that it's a good idea. It's not like you're writing something that's um, controversial or, you know, it's going to be like you're not writing. And and a couple of people were like, oh, did you write a tell all Hollywood memoir? Is that why you don't? And I'm like, no, I at the current time, I have no interest in writing that. I'm still living it. I don't really want to write it. Um, and so, no, I that's not that had nothing to do with it. It just I don't know. It just felt like um, I wanted my writing to stand on its own. And I also didn't want people that. Um, like me to think that they had to like it uh, just because I wrote it because you don't if you don't like it it's cool it's not I mean my my parents haven't read it I don't think they will not because 
they don't want to or not because it's not, you know, it's just, it's, it doesn't matter. I don't need them to read it if they want to read it. Cool. But it's not their thing. So I'm not going to push them into it. And I don't want them to read it just because I wrote it. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've been with me my whole life. They've read plenty of things that I've written. You know, they follow me on social media and, and read the nonsense that I put on there too. So it's good enough. But, but I did that. And also I think pen names are romantic. I think a, a nom de plume is just so fun. And, um, the the writer who wrote Strangers on a Train, she, which is a book I love, she um, was extremely prolific, and they did not find that out until her death when they were able to connect her actual name with a pen name that she had written, like I think, like fourteen or fifteen books under. So, not saying that that will be the same for me, but I just thought that that was such a cool for a mystery writer. What a cool mystery to leave. So, I was kind of hoping that's where you were going with that. I didn't know before I asked, but it does dovetail very nicely into what we were talking about before that you're using a very 21st century approach to distribution. Yeah. And until very recently, there was this thought that if you have a day job, then doing something on the side endangers that. And if you, if you try to start two careers at once, one is going to cannibalize the other. So I think it makes a lot of sense to say, this is what you do under one name. This is what you do on the other. Mm Mm-hmm. But nobody's really under the impression that you're two different people. Right. Yeah. And I um I agreed with, I agree with you completely. I and I have and the job that I have is so um there's a lot of people me doing it and me doing it, giving it my all, um, a lot of people's income depends on it and a lot a lot of people depend on it in a way. Um, and so I wouldn't I didn't want anyone thinking that I was abandoning them or that I had lost interest. Um, you know, it, I spent a decade building my company that's ostensibly kind of on, you know, state in stasis, kind of in a coma right now. Um, And best case scenario, it goes back to how it was. And we all just continue, you know, going to cons and having a good time. Um, But I am currently not spending the same amount of waking hours that I was on it. Um, And this is something I've always wanted to do. And the other thing is I always told myself, oh, well, if you had the time, you would write a novel. And so I kind of had to um, put up or shut up because I always said that to myself. So I was like, I one day I was like, mm, you say this, but are you going to do it? Um, but yeah, so so Halston Blake was created, um, hoping to ease the burden of uh, I'm always looking out for other people's feelings, um, sometimes to my detriment. And so I thought, OK, well, Halston Blake can be we can compartmentalize and that can be her stuff. And and Lainey can be over here making sure that um, the needs the needs of others are met. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Thanks. What was that? You caught up a little there. Oh, I've I've thought about it a oh, little. Sure, bit. sure. <laughs> So how much of yourself shows up in any of the characters, not necessarily the protagonist? Um, I would say uh, in this story, very little. Um, in, in subsequent stories, quite a lot. Um, the one thing that um, the one thing that I would say is is probably, you know, fairly similar to me and, and our protagonist is that um, I I also have gone with the flow in situations that I should have spoken up about <laughs> sooner. <laughs> so when I was writing that, she makes some decisions and she does some stuff where I think 
some people might read it and be like, why is she going along with this? Um, I even said that. And then I thought about situations I've been in where I was like, well, when you're in it, you don't really, you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes. So you just go with it anyway. And I think that's, I hope that people read this and don't hate her because I don't, don't think that she's weak because of her decisions. I think that the, the decisions she makes are really practical, but again, it's because I have been in situations where once I was out of the situation, I was like, yeah, that sucked. I should have let that go sooner or I should have pulled myself away from that sooner. But when you're in it, sometimes it's not that easy. You know what I find most fascinating about this whole process? What? The fact that you cranked out this book while not for a second neglecting your Animal Crossing game. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) There's a schedule. (laughs) There's a schedule. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so this is what my day looks like. This is a day in the life of, of Pandemic Laney. I get up. I have coffee with my parents because I'm trying to enjoy the time that I have with them um while I'm stuck with them um we have coffee then I go work out um and then usually because of because of getting distracted I by that time it's about 11 o'clock I eat lunch early because I'm an old person I go to bed early I wake up early I'm up at 6 a.m every morning um so I eat lunch I play Animal Crossing while I eat lunch then I put that away and then I write for as long as I can physically write for Um, sometimes that's until like 5 p.m. Sometimes it's 2 p.m. Sometimes it's, you know, stop at four, pick it back up at eight o'clock because all of a sudden I'm inspired again. So that's what that looks like. (laughs) I just noticed that you tend to log in within about 15 minutes of me logging in about five nights a week. That's so funny. Yeah, well, you know, there's, I gotta, I've got responsibilities there too. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, those bells have to be paid. They do. They do. I don't like debt. So I got to make sure that I don't have any debt in Animal Crossing. You know, I also like beautification of my island is important. And yeah, that's so I forget that people can see when you're on. (laughs) (laughs) That was I will not uh, lie. That is exactly the first thought I had in my head when I saw not that. Oh, my God. Lainey wrote a book or. Oh, my God. This person is is like. She had that much time playing that much Animal Crossing. That's so funny. Um, well, I type over a hundred words a minute, so I'm mm-hmm. pretty fast with the typey typey. And also, I make a ton of errors. And my my two my two proofreaders were like, well, "Who wrote this? Did a did a child write this? Why is why is this such a mess?" And I'm like, "Because it's how my brain works. I write really fast. <laughs> I got Animal Crossing to play." That's so funny. Yeah, but the editor's job is to fix it. They should be glad you have that stuff there. Right, and I paid them. Uh-huh. I paid them. I was like, here, <laughs> help me. My sister is my main editor, actually. She is, um, she, for better or for worse, is like the biggest like grammar tyrant I've ever met in my life. And she, uh, you know, she's constantly like reading articles and being like, I found five mistakes. Why, why don't they have better proofreaders? I'm like, I don't know. They should hire you. So I knew, I knew that I, um, I knew that hiring her to do that job, it would be done effectively. And when she finished, uh, proofreading it, she came to my room and she said, uh, she said, I'm done. I said, Oh, great. Thank you. You know? And she goes, I actually liked it. And I thought that was the funniest thing, the like sickest burn and a compliment at the same time, the with her inflection, the, oh, I, yeah, I, I actually liked it, that I had to put that 
for in the back of the book it says praise for the author and it just says i actually liked it (laughs) (laughs) i kind of figured that's how that went down yeah 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 so super shout out to my sister lily for keeping me humble (laughs) (laughs) okay lady so we're gonna wrap this up pretty soon but i really have to ask so what's the chances we can get to a con together sometime soon and by oh, soon, I'm being very, very generous with that term yeah. under the circumstances. Well, I, you know, I, I hope um, I'm, I'm, I, for protecting my, my heart and my sanity's sake, I'm saying we are back to normal sized events with fairly regular behavior, February, 2022. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Um, mm-hmm. As far as, you know, as far as what that's going to look like, um, you know, what what cons are going to be able to survive this, um, you know, people wanting to participate, that I haven't even given much thought to because it's just like that's too much. But I think I think that we're going to I think collectively in America, we're going because I do think other places might be getting back to things sooner. But I think in America, we're going to be 2022 February and we're going to be all like, wow, can we believe, I can't even believe that happened. We spent the last two years in the, just the weirdest, one of the weirdest times in American history, uh, you know, so, but I think that's, I think that's what it's going to be. And I think um, that we're all going to be really happy to see each other. <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of offers for hugs once this is finally over. Yeah, I'm not a hugger. And even I'm like, we can hug. You know what? I'm not a hugger and I will hug. After we're vaccinated, I will hug anyone. <laughs> I've seen, and you've got a very insider perspective on this. I've got a very outsider perspective on this because I I track cons by looking at stats and dates, and I used to actually have a literal database of all this stuff. Um, To me, it looks like, based on what I'm seeing, the cons that are going to survive easiest are the ones that are so big they can say, we're going to put a pin on this and just move it to the next year. And the cons that are so small, they're like, we don't have as much invested. We can just tell everybody we'll call you when we can. Yeah. The, it's yeah, the ones so, in the middle that are, yeah. Yeah, you're you're completely correct. So the the, the way, um, yeah, so I know a couple promoters. Um, actually, there's a promoter in, oh, gosh, I want to say he, he's in West Texas. Um, and his show's called Yellow City Comic Con. Um and he does it. It's it's a fun project for him. He's got a day job. He's got a family. Like he's he's got it all. Whatever you know. So the con is just he's able. He's just magical and able to do all of that. I'm not sure I could, but that's so cool. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think his con will be fine because that's a. It's based on volunteering and you know he's running it for fun and stuff like that. Very small show. Um, they've always been super great to us. You know. So so that one will return. Your your read pop your ACE, your wizard world, those big, big corporately owned, um, events companies will, will, as long as this doesn't go on for too long, they'll come back. It's your mid-sized shows, which I'm not going to speculate on, you know, specifically which ones, but yeah, it's definitely your mid-sized shows that are going to have the problem, which sucks because some of the most fun I've had are at mid-sized shows because at at the big events, in my experience, I'm, at the big events, I'm always a little fish in a big pond. And it's not that I don't still have a good time. I do. And, and the staff is all great and everything. Um, but it's the the mid-level events where you're actually making money but are still treated like royalty. Those 
from this perspective, those are my my favorites. Mm-hmm. I like family owned cons in the sense that like I like to be able to walk up to the promoter who's the owner who started it in his garage who it's his his or her entire heart and soul that you you can just see the love. Um, I, I really love that because I have a business that I've poured my whole heart and soul into. So I feel like they understand where I'm coming from and I understand where they're coming from. Um, you know, the small shows where you're not sure if someone's going to pick you up at the airport or not, like I don't really miss that experience. Mm-hmm. But, but um, you know, but I do know that, um, you know, everybody at every size show works really hard. And so it breaks my heart that there are going to be events that don't survive this. And, and there are going to be, I think there's going to be a shift in, in who you see, even as, um, as your celebrity guests attend. Mm -hmm. I don't think not, there are people that won't, that won't come back after this. There are people that, um, you know, they just simply moved on from it. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a tougher time getting the larger acts, uh, going forward. Um, and I know that I, I, there's a lot of people who would disagree with me, but, um, I've worked with a lot of people who conventions, they, they really needed the money because their career was still getting off the ground. And it meant the difference between them having to work as a waiter, um, you know, and them being a full-time actor, being able to focus on that and, and get the roles that they, they wanted stuff like that. So, um, you know, but your bigger acts that don't, that don't need the money and that maybe it's a very stressful experience for them. We're not going to see them anymore because enough time has passed that it's just very different. It's going to be a very different experience, I think. And I know some of my favorite types of guests have always been the living legends who are in their seventies and eighties and their, their, their best work is decades in the past, but they do it for, not for various reasons. And it's like, yeah, but if you're that old, if you're at risk, if the vaccine isn't an option for you, you're not going to take that risk even when this is all past this. Yeah, that's that's an extremely good point. And I, I think, you know, I think about the people who I've met over the past 10 years who have are no longer around and how I think like, oh, I I'm glad they you know, like if Stan were still alive, I would hope that he wouldn't do. Sh- I would hope that he would stop doing shows because mm-hmm. even once we're realistically speaking, once we're vaccinated, it's still the Pandora's box has been open. There's still a danger there. You know, I mean, it's, it, it just makes me nervous. So I, I hope that there are as sad as it will be for the community. If I hope that there are people that choose their health over appearances and, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, um, you know, you can't still interact with them, social media, whatever. But I, I just, it's not to me, a convention is not worth losing your life over. So I think that's going to come into play a lot. I can't think of a better place to leave it. (laughs) Lainey, where can people, number one, find your book, find you, and follow all your misadventures? Yes. Okay. So um, my uh, website is halstonblakeauthor.com. That has links to the books on Amazon. If you're an anti-Amazon person, you can buy a book directly from me. It is a little bit more uh, expensive. It's very cheap on Amazon, but you're supporting a small business. Um, my name is Lainey Lavens. That's all of my social media. I'm completely accessible on there. Shoot me a message. Um, if you read the book and want to talk about it, I that would just be so thrilling to me. You can search The Bare Moon on Amazon and it's now comes up number two. It's been searched enough that it's the second thing that comes up when you search the bare moon. So as long as people keep searching it, it should stay with that. And that's without paying for promotion. So fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) And then book number two is called the wolf chase and it's due to come out March 20th, but I think I'm going to be able to release it in February. 
Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Well, thank you, Aaron. This has been awesome. Likewise, Lainey. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. I would like to thank Lainey for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community building part of the show today, I would like to get laser focused on Lainey's book, The Bear Moon by Halston Blake. And I would like to get this book into the hands of as many people who would enjoy it as possible. That might be you, and it might not be. And if that's the case, you can still help out, and I would really appreciate that. If you happen to know somebody who is definitely into that kind of supernatural fiction, somebody who might enjoy things like a True Blood or a Twilight, why not recommend the book to them? Look it up on Amazon, send them the link. Just say you heard about the book on a podcast, it wouldn't hurt to mention that it was this one, and say, hey, I think this book would be right up your alley, it's very affordable, give it a shot. Leaving a review for the book would be even better. Don't forget you could subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.